this just in from the powers that be. We have the reports of a spiffingly wonderful but slightly weird podcast with news from around the world wide web. This podcast contains amusing quips and delightful anecdotes that may just cheer up your Monday. I believe I'm getting some audio from the podcast itself. I seem to have a history with mini golf because I've had a bird land on my shoulder at another mini golf course. You ever thought about not playing mini golf as much or indoor mini golf safely? I've, I've played indoor mini golf and I got hit in the head with a mini golf ball. <laughs> Like, why would you not know Andre the Giant? Like, of all the wrestlers you can't name. Like, why is that guy called Andre the Giant? <laughs> Funny thing, it'd be that other guy that's huge. When my wife goes out, I like to lick her salt, the Himalayan salt lamps. They taste lovely. With that. I'm so scared. <laughs> when my wife goes out, I like to lick Himalayan salt lamps. Would not have been the, the Himalayan salt lamps. The, yeah, yeah. In the blank. Yeah, what, ha- what happened next? I went and got an ice cream from an ice cream shop and the man behind the counter said oh look out for the seagulls and I just laughed because you know you just kind of don't really take it all in anyway I was walking along the beach eating my ice cream and out of bloody nowhere seagull swoops down and takes the head off of my ice cream I'm left with a tiny bit of cone in my childlike hands that's all we can afford to reveal from the archives. If you're wanting more of this type of top quality banter in your eardrums, then you can find them by scanning your most popular platforms, such as the spoofing Spotify, the aristocratic Apple Podcast, and grandstanding Google, among many more. How exciting! So, what's the name of this podcast, you ask? Well, that's a very good question. And the answer to that question is the Totally Buzzed UK podcast. What's that? Say it again, you say? It's the Totally Buzzed UK podcast. You can catch their broadcast from the early bird time of Monday at 7am. But not to worry if you aren't such an early bird as you could always visit the archives when new episodes are added weekly for your listening pleasure. If you suffer from selective hearing, I shall repeat again where you can search for these archives. The following are Spiffing Spotify, Aristocratic Apple Podcasts and Grandstanding Google, among others. So if you enjoy a tickety-boo time, then adjust your streaming platforms and tune in. Football beef! Disclaimer. The following is an opinion-based podcast. Hello, and welcome to Football Beef. We're about to sum up the Premier League season, debate everything that happened, now that it's all said and done. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm joined by John the Geordie Messiah Squires. Hello. Daniel the Red Devil Jones. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And Tommy likes to keep it on time, Pittman. I don't know why, I don't know why that's my nickname now. All I'm saying is that I won't be having any time wasting. You know who I'm looking at. God, He's come on, I'm a Liverpool fan. God. Here we go. Here we go. We're in clock time. I think it's called how time now. It's so, clock time, also known as borrow time. I think Daniel's implying Klopp could be fired, but we're going to get into that and talk about Liverpool. We're sure because they've had a very notable season, maybe not for the usual reasons. But let's start off, guys. Title race, we spoke about it a lot throughout the season. Man City, Arsenal, well, we know how it's gone. It's been done for a few weeks before the end. Where, how are we feeling about this? Man City's dominance was inevitable. Tommy, do you want to take this away? Once it got to 
what was it, like March-ish and City were within, within arm's reach of Arsenal, let's say. It, it was only going to end one way. Like Arsenal weren't going to keep it going at that point. Or as soon as they started to stumble, you knew City wouldn't. You knew that they would take over and um, win the league, and that's exactly what they did. It's what they will probably continue to do until Guardiola leaves, pending takeovers and other clubs being... I was going to say competent, but it's more than competent. It's like... Super competent. Man City will probably win the league again th- at least three out of the next five seasons. Is everyone feeling like that? Is no one seen an end in sight for Man City reign of terror? Football's a, a funny game. If you'd said to me, well, like Chelsea would finish where they finished this season, and again, like Liverpool would finish where they finished, you probably wouldn't have guessed that. So, you know, there's, there's always a chance of, like I know Tommy said three out of five, you know, it's still two seasons where they've slipped up, and if they slip up twice in a row, it could be th- three in a row, and so on and so on. But they are the best team in the Premier League by by a country mile and they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna lose the title any more titles because teams have strengthened beyond Man City I think it will be a case of something goes wrong at City a bit like what's happened this season with a few other clubs while Guardiola is there for other teams to I'm gonna say underperform like versus expectations or where they would hope to be then I think it is for Man City to drop off enough that somebody else is gonna win the title yeah. I think because... I think Guardiola's too he's not too demanding but he knows what he wants from his players and Man City are in that position where as a player if you don't perform or you don't do what Guardiola wants you to do for a couple of weeks you know like Cancelo you're away and he has the ability just to get rid of someone like that and someone else steps up which is not a luxury all squads have which kind of brings on the fact Arsenal it seemed like depth and every inexperience probably got to them depth a little bit more so because as soon as they lost the Libra we touched on it that they were a bit different. Daniel, you flip-flopped between Arsenal and Man City eventually because you kind of got convinced that Arsenal could do it at one point and then realised that, no, you were right all along, it was Man City. How do you feel about looking at Arsenal then at the end of the season where they ended up and how they finished the season? Well, I think you have to pay credit to what Arteta done this season. I think uh, looking at Arsenal's squad as a whole, they don't have the best squad in the league by a country mile, but... I think they pulled together when they needed to. More so on City, you would have to say, even though they signed Erlen Haaland at the start of the season, one of the best strikers in the world, if not the best, there's definitely an argument for it. I think City haven't had a great season. They lost more games this season than they did last. I just, I wonder if City haven't been as focused on the league this year because they're still in contention for the Champions League. And I'm really interested to see how it goes next season because if they win the Champions League, what does that mean for their league status? Does it affect what they do in the league next season? Because it feels like for the last four or five years, so it's just been about will City get to the Champions League final? Will they win the Champions League? And it almost feels like that kind of pinnacle moment. I don't really know where what kind of City we're going to get next season. Obviously, as far as Erling Haaland goes and to what you said about the next three and five, he's only signed a three-year deal. We're one year down. Does he stay for three years? Do City try and cash out on it? Does Guardiola stay? I don't know. There's too many questions at the moment. But I think uh, Arsenal done very, very well. They definitely deserve credit for what they've done. But I agree with what Tommy said as well. Come the end of March, it was always going to be City's game. Until Guardiola leaves, they will continue to do this. Like, if I think if the title had been more of a close run thing, then I think you would have seen City rack up more points. Like, if they had to get something from the match today against Brentford, I'm pretty sure they would have got it and we would have been looking at like another 90 plus point season for them i think when they are pushed most of the time they reach another level which is why i'm saying that i I just think it's very hard to see anybody else winning the league while guardiola is there unless they have like a massive 
underperformance, which they did win Liverpool won the league, like going from 98 points the year before to like mid 80s was a big drop off for them. They're not going to do that again, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I mean, if you look at the starting lineup City went out with today, obviously Brentford beat them 1-0. City's starting lineup today was just just their reserves, really. I mean, they're playing people like Calvin Phillips, who's barely had any minutes this season, Lewis in midfield, Palmer and Gomez and so on and so forth. They just... They, they obviously have got one eye on, the, well, both eyes on the Champions League final. So it, it really does become that, that when City want to win, they will. When they're not really interested, they'll just flop out any team and normally grind out a result. But uh, It's scary, it's, to it's, be honest, because yeah. even when you're wording it, it's basically like, look, we can go into gear five when we want to. We're going to stay in gear three, but oh, look, Arsenal are pushing us better you know get our act together do that bing bam boom title and then go back to focusing on other stuff exactly that scary yeah. uh squeaky i just want to touch on this before we move a little bit down the table arsenal do you know what you said about them in the preview of the season no but you're gonna remind me i am you said when i said arsenal will get top four or at least i think that's which wasn't that bold of a prediction you said no way they get higher than fifth you know what i'll say they'll just get fifth again no way they're higher than fifth so you must be really impressed by arsenal do you know what i am and i'm also not at the same time i'm impressed by them the manner they ended the season yeah i think i think if you look i think if you go from sort of start of the season to what say end of january early february you know you would say arsenal are are looking very very good and they will go on to win the title i still think i predicted man city would win it but you did yeah but for an for an outsider looking in you would go arsenal were brilliant and then you look at sort of february onwards and they've been they've been quite poor basically they've been like game of thrones the first sort of few seasons were really good then the last couple were terrible and that's been Arsenal's season and it's just bad taste so you don't want to replay the season for Arsenal fans are like we I mean want to, to, reference how to, be, we are, to be fair I, when Arsenal were sort of going for it I was like yeah I wouldn't mind Arsenal winning the league but by the probably January February time I was like please don't win the league Arsenal please don't win the league well not go into that because I'll probably get some Arsenal I'll get Arsenal fan TV coming after me or something like that so well, that's chat nonsense anyway well speaking of chatting nonsense we're going to talk about Daniel's favorite team Manchester United, who I'm not upset that beat Fulham on the last day. But Man United, has to be said, had a great season, if you'd say. I mean, great feels strong. I might just go good now because they had some very, very bad lows, Brentford. And then, but at the end of the day, they have got where they kind of were seemed to be aiming at the start and were 17 plus points up on last season. And that's quite a notable number to be up on. Yeah, obviously, I, I'm I'm absolutely ecstatic that we managed to clinch third. You have to say quite a poor season in terms of, goal scoring and certainly goals against was just absolutely embarrassing we just shipped so many goals this season it's just golden glove winner though yeah De Gea has been poor though I think yes he won the golden glove he's not been the best keeper this season I think that's obviously got to probably go to Pope I want to say Pope I think Pope deserves it this year he deserves golden glove but you have to look at obviously what Lissandro Martinez has done, Varane's done, Casemiro. I think De Gea deserves to buy quite a few of those lads dinner this this uh, at the end of the season. Certainly Shaw as well, phenomenal season from Shaw, filling in at centre back quite a lot lot of the time. 
I don't know. I think the jury's still out on Man United. They're not doing anything now that they didn't do under Oli Solskjaer. Obviously, Oli Solskjaer finished second. Ten Hag has brought around a positivity to the club. A few good signings, but at the same time, the amount of investment that they've made into the squad, you kind of expected this. I think they've overspent on a few players. A few players have maybe done a bit better than expected. Some of the newer signings not doing as well as expected. Do you know what? We've got Champions League again. I'm very happy about that. But I, I don't feel that Manchester United are as good as the position they are in at the moment. I think Newcastle deserved it more than Manchester United. And I feel that if Manchester United had finished in the Europa League spots, maybe where Liverpool, Brighton are this season, even Aston Villa, I, I couldn't really grumble at that, if I'm honest. I think maybe the thing with Man United is that because of some of the performances and defeats that they did have, you look at it and you go, wait, you lost these matches by this score and you finished there. 4-0, 6-3, 7-0, like that kind of thing, and you finished third. It doesn't happen very often, but a very good spell of form. What was it, around the, like, the middle of the season I think it was probably from sort of like just before the World Cup break until I don't know when it was sort of around like when the Europa League started to pick up again yeah just uh, after the World Cup when Rashford started scoring quite a few yeah <laughs> but I think then yeah they but the, did what the, they needed to do and they finished probably where they should have done especially I, I suppose to kind of just expand on it a little bit why I say I feel Newcastle deserved it a lot more is that Manchester United lost nine games Newcastle lost five Manchester United scored something 50 it was less than 60 I want to say like 50 something goals Newcastle scored a lot more than that and Manchester United shipped in a lot more than that Newcastle shipped in a lot less than that so I think Newcastle are beating us on all three counts there. Games lost, goals scored, goals conceded. I just kind of feel like they deserved it a lot more than Man United. It was just their draws where maybe Newcastle were a little bit unlucky in certain games. I also feel that Newcastle have been quite harshly done by a lot of the times this season by uh, VAR and referees. I think that's for another subject. Thank you, Daniel. I'm not saying it's a blow smoke, but I just feel that Newcastle <laughs> definitely deserved third. That's I think I don't think any right thinking person would say otherwise. Otherwise, statistically, you know, Manchester United have edged it. You but... can prove anything with statistics. Right. At the end of the day, if Man United got more points, is probably yeah, what I feel his vibe and, is. And... and they finished strong, to be fair. Obviously, the, the, out the last four games, they've won four. The, that's, the best in, that's the best in the league from any other team. Um, so statistically, if you're going by that, again, last four I games... Just... I just think you get the points you get. I don't think you can go, oh, but these people lost less games and they scored more and they can see less. A team could score 125 goals and concede, I don't know, 80 and, and they could win 19 matches and draw 10 matches and lose nine and they finish where they finish. The team below them might score a load less and concede a load less and end up with less points, but they lose less matches. It's just all just... It's always about the points you pick up. Uh, just, I think, I think the only thing you can grumble about is, say, like where games have gone and you've dropped points because of decisions from VAR that have been seen to be wrong. Like, for example, Brighton's result with Spurs, if that had cost them more controversial I mean, decisions. I think you can look at it as well I've and be like, my new finish there, they deserve to be there. And then sometimes you look a bit deeper and maybe as a as a fan of the club, you look at the performances as well and go, you know what, we actually, you know, we nicked a couple of one nils here and there where maybe we shouldn't have won one nil or we've won two one where really a draw should have been the fair result. But like Tommy said, you you play thirty eight games and you deserve to be where you finish. But I think as well, a fan of the club, you can look at your team's individual performances in certain games and go, Well, we've got a bit lucky here, here, here. 
and their sort of thing. And that's oh. kind of maybe what Daniel's trying to say, possibly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Every team has matches where you lose them and you like absolutely bash them. You're like, how how did we lose that match? Yeah. Or you have a freak result where you lose by four or five goals just randomly, and then you win the next one one 0 and you're like, that probably shouldn't have happened it happens to every team and it does a catch up because i feel like this might have been people's points with wolves last season with their xg against it kind of sort of saw them this season a little bit eventually it catches up with you is what i would say you can normally over the course of a season it will start to like average out at some point i think which i think every team maybe except for Man City and Arsenal, because they were the best two teams of the season, found out at a certain point you start dropping the points because that level of performance isn't sustainable. Um, or you have a few games where it just goes tits up. And then, you know, unless things change over, like long term, then that's that's when it starts to catch up with you, I think. Yeah, we move on to a subject that's going to make one person very happy and go to fourth, which was Newcastle United, who obviously, due to their finish, get to be in the Champions League next season for the first time in 20 years. Is that right, Squiggy? 20 years. Last time Newcastle were in the Champions League, I watched us get knocked out by a Barcelona team with Titus Bramble and Andy O'Brien as the two centre-halves against Patrick Cliver. Titus Bramble played for Barcelona? Yeah, I got that quite a bit Ipswich, Newcastle, Barcelona, what a guy. So yeah, yeah, no, we uh, we had a we had a very good season, exceeded expectations massively. Especially yours, seen as you said, you take 10th at the start of the season. you know what? Yeah, and... I'm not judging you for that because I I get why you said that because you didn't want to get carried away with the money influx and the feel good atmosphere going. But it is quite funny that you would have took ten. But now we're sat here. Fourth. I think I'm just I'm just used to being Nikasi United. If you know what I mean. We call even it Fulham when, Fulham, but I think every club has that feeling. Like it's just Very one of those. Like indeed. even even when we were however many points clear of Liverpool after winning the game in hand and everyone, you know, people were still like, we're still going to fuck this up. We're going to fuck this up. We're going to find a way. We're going to score like four goals in a game and get hammered or Liverpool are going to put eight past Southampton and go above us on goal difference on the last game of the season. Like that is kind of what Newcastle fans have been like, but it's been, yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been, it's been interesting, shall we say. Obviously time wasting controversies or the dark arts, which every team does just saying, and you know, we've, We've won. Well, we've got the better. We had the best defense. Least goals conceded. I think the least defeats out of any team in the Premier League as well this season. No, and you're, for... you're paring with City. Least uh, you both got five defeats and both conceded thirty three goals. But yeah, you're, so yeah. so basically, you're Man saying City our, can't our even defensive. Let you have that. <laughs> our, def- our defensive record is on par with the champions. So yeah, but, I will. T- yeah, I will take that. Thing- the one thing you didn't count for was the vibes. You didn't know the vibes were coming. Oh, is that isn't that uh, an added twenty go. points? So technically, our oh, Newcastle yeah. are true champs. Yeah, actually, yeah, the vibes. Yeah, we were actually really bad. It was just vibes carried us through the game. Instead of VAR, we had vibes. <laughs> exactly. Um, that. Is that what the V and VAR actually sounds like? Yeah, vibe Castle United. Yeah. But no, yeah, I'm more than happy to finish fourth. I'm, I would have been happy with, like I said, a finish above 10th. Maybe as the season went on, Europa League would have been nice. But yeah, absolutely buzzing to be in the Champions League next year. And I, and I think we've deserved to be where we are. I don't think, like we've said before about Man U, I don't think you can take anything away from the way Newcastle have played this season. You oh, know, people, t- people, people talk about time wasting, but we've, we've won 4-1 four times this season, 4-0. 5-1, 6-1. You know, you, you don't score those goals by playing time-wasting football. So, yeah, 
shove that up your ass. Time wasting fans. Tommy, any comment on that before we move? Because I know with next subjects might be a bit painful for you. Not, not really. Just I think it'll be interesting to see what Newcastle do in in the transfer window. Now, obviously, they will. I assume be wanting to massively improve their kind of squad depth to compete like with European competitions. Like they reached a cup final this year. I I assume they'll want to be trying to do the same thing again next season. So I think it would just be interesting to see whether they kind of really go for it. Now they've got the Champions League and they can say, well, we're going to have this Champions League money coming in, you know, go and spend 60, 70, 80 million on players, things like that, like individual players, not overall, whether they'll kind of be sensible about it or if they'll fall into kind of the PSG trap a little bit, which I don't think they will, because I think based on what's happened so far, which... Again, I think it's partly because of like reputational things of being like, well, we were fighting relegation last season, so maybe we couldn't do that. Whether they just go, oh, this is a big name signing. Yeah, let's get them. Let's fit them in. Or whether it's kind of more sensible. And then it'll just be interesting to see how they do next season with European football and kind of, I think, elevated expectations. Like, I don't know that people necessarily expect them to finish in the top four again next season. Top 10. Top 10. I'll take top 10 again. Partly because Chelsea can't possibly be as bad next season, question mark. Yeah, um, you would hope not. And but, you've got to improve as well. But yeah, it would just, yeah, it would just be interesting think, to see how, how they approach it and what happens next year. Yeah, I think what will be quite interesting, and like what you just touched on it there about playing like midweek football, like European football. This se- this season's been a bit weird because obviously before the World Cup, we had a lot of midweek games. Mm. So I don't really, obviously, it's extra been, games though. Yeah, it's, that's it's, yeah, it's that's the thing. It's like games. it's the extra games because you're sort of used to that schedule like, from this season by playing minimum, um, minimum six extra games yeah. going. Saturday, Tuesday evening, Saturday evening, Wednesday evening, Sunday afternoon, like things like that, which and and, and then you have the league fixtures as well. Yeah. Maybe another cup run, things like that. It's definitely interesting. And I think any Newcastle fan Italy, we don't we don't have the squad to be able to like we're not gonna compete in the Champions League, let's be honest. We're we're there to have, you know, six six good games in the group stages. If we finish third in the group, happy days. If we finish fourth, Newcastle then... Champions League winners, 23-24. You heard it here first. I, well, I, I have already booked my hotel at Wembley. Uh, in London for the Champions League final next year, just in case. I don't think anyone expects we're to be going anywhere in the Champions League. It's six games in Europe that we're just going to enjoy, and you know we'll go we'll go on tour around Europe for, for a few weeks. But we what? don't have the squad depth to compete across any everything. What a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, just three away yeah. games. Wait till he gets Europe. a little bit of hope and he gets carried away and then has, changes his mind. When, when, yeah, when I mean... they beat Barcelona at home three one in the first. Group match, and they're all yeah, going. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob Murphy Hadry. That's the thing. I'm just going to touch on Jacob Murphy and people like Joe Willock and stuff. Obviously, Newcastle have done very, very well this year, but they do not have the squad to compete in Europe and the domestic cups as well as the league next season. They've got oh. a war chest, obviously, with their ownership. I'll be obviously. I don't think obviously because of the injuries, we don't we didn't see this season what uh, Isaac can do, but we he he done enough to impress. You got a glimpse. You got a taste. Yeah, I I want to see a full season of him. I think he could absolutely light the light the league up next season. But their midfield is something that really needs to be addressed. Obviously, they've got Bruno, who's just a phenomenal midfielder. But when where you're relying, Br- on... where does Bruno play, Tommy? I'm pretty sure he plays in Newcastle most in the mi- of the time. In the, but then they in have the away mi- games quite often as well. In the, so in the middle, in the in the middle, in the middle. It's not what I said. <laughs> Close enough, he plays in the middle. I think people like Jacob Murphy, Joe Willock, yes, they'll do a job for you, but certainly not enough to get you through a Champions League group or anything like that. Uh, So you would hope that Eddie Howe 
gets given a, a bit of confidence this season, uh, this summer, gets the money that he wants, gets the players that he wants. And then who knows? Obviously, I think winning breeds more winning. Um, and we could see something pretty cool from Newcastle next season. If they don't, if they're not fighting for Europa League next season, I'll be quite disappointed because they've, they've got the foundation to do it. Um, so I guess we'll just see yeah. how that goes. And just, just quickly before we move on, I just want to touch on, so again, like a lot of people, are, you know, a lot of fans on Twitter, oh, you spent all this money. And it's like, you look at, you look at Newcastle's team and, you know, Joe Linton was here before the takeover, Almiron here before the takeover, players like that. And Joe Linton is a completely different player. He's been called up the Brazil squad, uh, the latest squad as well. And it's like, it's such a turnaround for him, like going from a player who was sort of a joke amongst Newcastle fans as well to now being probably the first name on the team sheet. He regularly just... got called a donkey. I remember covering it a oh, lot. I think, I, I, think I called him a donkey buzzword. a few times. It yeah. seemed to be a buzzword amongst your fans to call him a donkey. Now yeah. he's more like a goat. He's the goat. But he's just, yeah, the way Kieran Clark getting sent off the season before was the best thing Kieran Clark's ever done for Newcastle United. Because that's why Joe Linton got moved into midfield. And since then, the rest has been history. He's, I mean, he's Joe, a... Joe Linton's not the first name on the team sheet. He just isn't. Who would you Who would you say? I think Joe Linton, literally, Joe Linton in that midfield really makes that midfield tick. No, literally the best player you've got is Kieran Trippier, without a doubt. Ooh. He is phenomenal. Literally he he obviously playing for Spurs he showed what he could do went over to Atletico Madrid done okay came back and he has just been in my easily top five players in the Premier League this season just absolute phenomenal player as a neutral just being able to watch Newcastle play just a beautiful player literally what he can do is phenomenal he's the reason why in my opinion, he's the reason. Him and Callum Wilson, I'm not going to take anything away from Wilson, but he's the reason why Newcastle was sitting fourth. He's just brought that belief around, that experience, the balls that he can play, phenomenal. Can we so, talk about Liverpool then and be more negative here? I know Tommy do doesn't like it. But minus yep, 25 happily. points compared to last season. It was a big drop-off compared to last season. It looks like another season where they've had... They've, this season has been ridiculous results that you just can't predict. I mean, from the Spurs game to even ending with a 4-4 with relegated Southampton. It's crazy. But then, you know, thrashing Man United. Tommy, <laughs> you're welcome. Tommy, Liverpool, how would you feel now? The season's all done. Is it just time to move on, rebuild and hopefully get back to way higher up I the table? Like, I feel like rebuild is like... A, a, it's like a semi-rebuild. It's a little bit over the top. Like, it was, it, obviously, it's a very disappointing season. Like, Liverpool don't want to be finishing outside the Champions League, especially with how kind of the business model is. Kind of need that income a lot of the time. But I think, yeah, just a bad season. But I think towards the end, Liverpool started to rediscover themselves a little bit and be like, actually, we can be a competent football team most of the time. Start to get a lot of those wins. I think rebuilds a bit over the top. Obviously, four players leaving yeah three of the midfielders the problem kind of started from midfield this season sort of all the injuries that we had at the start and then players massively underperforming getting older but yeah i think it's just about to like moving on getting sort of like the the right players in and i think embracing the europa league i i don't i don't get and this is slightly off topic i just don't get like the snooty kind of attitude of a lot of English clubs and media and fans about being in the Europa League. Uh, you win the Europa League, you're in the Champions League. It is a European competition. It's not like, a booby prize like what they asked Klopp and he started laughing at the word booby. It was kind yeah, of an insulting booby. question. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Exactly. I don't get this either. I think I think probably the biggest thing is probably that 
it, you play Thursday and then Sunday. That Which seems that seems to so, be. But, but yeah, so I don't. Weird. I don't get it either. It, feel, it feels like when they rebranded the UEFA Cup to the Europa League, that was when everyone went, "Oh, Europa League, oh, gross." When it's like it, it, you're in a European competition, like you still get those fun away days. You still get playing those... some elite clubs. Exactly. I don't see a problem when we played in the UEFA Cup. Or was it still UEFA Cup when we last played in it? 2013, yeah, I think it was. Twenty twenty nine, twenty ten was the first Europa League. Yeah, and to be fair, some of those some of those games were were brilliant. You know, like we played Benfica and a few other good teams as well, and it was it was it was good fun. You I mean, know? it was yeah. Fulham's pinnacle, so I I can't say anything negative about the competition. At this point in season for Liverpool, need to prepare properly for next season, and you know if players perform to the level that they have previously shown they are capable of and I think started show towards in the season, get some of the right players in, then I don't see why top four is out of the question next season or getting into the Champions League. I mean, the ideal season would be finishing the top four, win the Europa League, a good cup run, which I don't think is out of the question. I'm going to say this with Squiggy and Daniel in mind. I think both of you think Liverpool will come back stronger next season and be more of a threat to your position. You both, you're both, Both your teams finished above them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Just if I may, I think this appointing season is probably a little bit strong. I think Liverpool's season was definitely a tale of two halves. That you know, had the season finished in January, February, then yeah, Liverpool were absolutely atrocious. But when you consider the third highest scoring team in the league, you know, they're relatively new in having to re-establish their strike force. Obviously, they had the best strike force in England for for a few years running and they're re-establishing that with Darwin Nunes and Jota and so on and so forth uh, I always forget his name the Dutch kid Cody Gakpo that's it so I don't know as disappointing should be the right word to use if I'm a Liverpool fan which makes me want to shower right now but if I'm a Liverpool fan I'm looking ahead to next season with a little bit of hope thinking well you know our, our, our new strike force is getting there it's where it needs to be the, the real problem here is the midfield they're absolutely shit they, they've been shit for a couple of years and I think Liverpool probably flattered to deceive and they got dragged through by the amazing strike force they had in Mane, Salah and Firmino but if Liverpool can rebuild that midfield that is in tatters I, I think Liverpool again are going to be pushing for Champions League next season whilst doing something in the Cups as well and when you're looking at Europa League you know who the hell are we to say that Liverpool can't easily win that next season if Liverpool Liverpool sometimes are a bit like City that in the fact that if they turn up there's no beat in them you just can't they're, they they're... still have the fear factor I mean we discussed yeah, this they do. the other they're day Liverpool aggressive. still have the fear factor yeah they do they're too aggressive they're too in your face they know how to break any team down and I, I mean any team that I you know it's one of those games that Liverpool against Real Madrid Liverpool against Barcelona I would never write Liverpool out Liverpool against City I'd never write Liverpool out and when you have that on your side you can't be you can't ever be talking about Liverpool not fighting for the Champions League not winning the Europa League not fighting for all the the domestic cups there is they just need to sort that midfield out because it's wank now we talk about the other two teams going to europe in brighton and villa just touch on brighton i mean how great have they been and even change manager in the season so that's quite impressive squiggy do you any thoughts on brighton they've been very very impressive like losing potter partway through the season and obviously losing a few a few players as well in in the summer to to be where they are is a testament to how good sort of brightman brighton's whole sort of not just the 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 team like the whole backrooms that not the backroom staff but like the board and everything like that just how how well ran of a club brighton is that changing manager hasn't affected them and to be fair they've probably played better football um under 
Deserby, Slick Rick, that's what I'm going to call them. But yeah, they've played some really good football this season. They've had a few weird results towards the end of the season, but apart from that, they've been they've been really good. Some nice some nice football. They've brought in some new young players as well who've like hit the ground running and will probably be going to, to bigger teams as well soon. But but yeah, Brighton Brighton have been a real success story this season. Tommy, any thoughts? I, I think you I think you've done him dirty by calling him Slick Rick. I don't think he Deserby's that nickname. Yeah, I mean, obviously Brighton have been very good. I think I said this separately, like off a podcast. To, it will be sad when, I mean, I say it will be sad if Liverpool buy Alexis McAllister. That won't be as sad for me, but it is always sad when like a team does really well and you know that everybody's going to approach a lot of their best players. I think it's great for them to get into it. They obviously deserve it. They deserve it this season. I was literally um, about to come in with oh, that one. They've definitely been one of the best and most exciting teams to watch. The, the lack of squad depth caught up with them at the end, because, which I think will probably come back to bite them again next season. But it's been weird this season because of how far they went in the FA Cup and the World Cup being during the season that then they had all those matches at the end of the season. If they'd had them more spaced out, they might have put up more of a fight. It probably could have finished at least fifth. But yeah, I think it would be interesting to see how they replace the players that they are going to lose next season, even if it is just McAllister and Caicedo. be interesting to see, but... I feel like they will have a couple more good seasons and then I think they might start to struggle a little bit. That's obviously a way off. But, you know, they've obviously got a lot of good young players. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to, you know, give a good account of themselves in Europe next season and, you know, get relatively high up in the league. But, yeah, it was it's, nice, it's always nice to see a new team qualifying for Europe when, you know, they've played so well this season. Um, I just yeah. wonder if they'll do a bit of like what West Ham have done this year and what Newcastle did a while back when they qualified for Europe with not having the squad depth, is it going to affect them in the Premier League yeah, as well? I think it probably uh, will. Like, I think you'd probably see them get through the group, get into like maybe the quarterfinal of the Europa League potentially and then go out and finish maybe 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that in the league. But I think if you offered that to most Brighton fans, especially assuming they lose McAllister and Caicedo, I imagine they'd probably be like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they'll, def- they'll definitely in Europe, that, yeah. in the Premier League will take it. That's the thing. I think at that point, if you're having a, a European adventure, the next season is you just don't want to be fighting relegation. You kind of have that. You have a Euro- you qualify for Europe. You have a season in Europe. Maybe don't qualify again, but you don't like get into the relegation places. And then the season after, you can push on and try and qualify for Europe again. Kind of repeat that same cycle until you become established and get more players in. Oh, we got the same energy towards Villa then. Because, I mean, they started from much like they October's when Emery took over, but Villa they came from... Why did Villa annoy you? I think it's more their fan base, I think, from what I've yep. seen on like, Twitter. <laughs> like, I, I, th- I feel like they have beef with Newcastle, from what I've seen on Twitter. Do you know, I don't do you know the, the, because they, when Newcastle got relegated the first time, what, 12, oh, 14 years ago? Day, yeah, but they, but they made a big deal of it, like... Who's your next messiah now? Ant or Deck and like the sob on the tyne banners and stuff like funny. that. Yeah, it was. It was, but not on your 18th birthday when you cast no. to get relegated. Okay, um, I get I get the relegation was painful. I just found the band to quite Yeah, and it's it's just been like that ever since. And I think when we came back up two years later, we hammered them six 0 first game of the season. So that probably set off a little bit of a rivalry there. But yeah, it's been weird seeing their fans on Twitter. I think there were six points behind us at one point and they had they had a game in hand and there were 
they were tweeting saying, just so you know, we're six points behind the best Newcastle team to ever exist, like sarcastically. That's a and very then, weird then, vibe to see. Yeah, but then they lost a couple of games and Newcastle won. So then Newcastle fans were like, just so you know, we are 12 points ahead of the best Villa team to ever exist, apparently. Oh, wow. And stuff like that. I mean, yeah, and Villa be- Newcastle beef. I mean, Villa and Fulham are friends because what was yeah. this? This is going to link into this season, by the way, is because some Villa fan pointed out that losing to Phil Fulham twice has been the best thing to ever happen to them. When we beat them in a player final, because it sorted out their club, because they stayed down and, you know, got rid of a lot of things that it want. And then this season, we beat them, so they sacked Gerrard, and they were crediting us. So, yeah. I think, Villa friends. I think they've played, as much as I don't like Villa, and I don't, I'm just, yeah, actually, I know I don't like Villa, and I, I don't really like, like the fans. I really like Emery, though, and I really like Ollie Watkins and I like, becoming and a and great And I like striker. Emery. They've, they've played some good football this year, but they've also played... They've played as in, we need to win this game, we're going to play to make sure we don't lose and we'll nick a goal because of how Emery sets them up. And I think under Gerard, they never had that that way of playing. So obviously Emery coming in has helped them a lot. Whether they can carry on with that next season will be an interesting one. But I mean, it gives Emery a full preseason and a, trans- a full jan- uh, summer transfer window to bring in some of his own players. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I hope they're not still up there next year because I cannot be bothered with the Villa fans. Daniel, have you been impressed by Villa? Say something positive about Villa because Tommy and Squee are not fans. I've been nice about the way they've played football, just nothing else to do with them. Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at who I've got as manager of the season, I think you're you're fighting between Eddie Howe and Unai Emery. Don't you start the rivalry. We're we're vibing because I I feel like I've got that down as a note. (laughs) I think Unai Emery has transformed... Villa from the PE teacher they had in Gerard got them playing to the way that he wants them to and got them in into Europe. I think when we're looking at the Aston Villa Brighton situation going into next season, I've got Brighton uh finishing low lower the mid table, uh fighting around the 13th 14th spot and I've still got Villa fighting for a top 10 place quite comfortably. I think Brighton are going to struggle a little bit more next season, given that McAllister, I think, is probably Anfield-bound. I don't think Caicedo will leave. Uh, I know Tommy was just speaking about a minute ago, the two two players that's most likely to leave. I can't really see Caicedo leaving uh, next season. According to the coach, he's he's probably going to be off and he really deserves that move. Maybe so. You guys are just lucky. I can't think of a way to work Emery into a pun. I'm, I'm really <laughs> trying, but it's really difficult for me. Yeah, I think yeah, you have to look at what Emery has done with Villa. When he took them over, they were kind of in tatters. He's got them playing to his system. Fantastic coach. Got got them where they probably deserve to be as well. Yeah, I, I think Emery thing. Villa deserves there you go, Tommy. it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, he's he's done a he's done a very good job. Yeah, obviously they, they have done very well to come back from being just outside the relegation zone to getting into Europe. I think I agree with Daniel as well. That they're better placed than Brighton. I think partly because of. I don't know if I want to say like ambition. That sounds like I'm doing Brighton a disservice, probably. The way the clubs uh, run, you the can size, see them throwing like, money. The size at... of the club as well, possibly. As much yeah, as it pains I me to say that, like, Villa are a bigger Villa, club Villa's than Brighton. Villa yeah. much more likely to be like, oh, we're in Europe. We've got Unai Emery as our manager. Let's go out and spend £50 million on a player. Well, that's the other thing as well. Villa do have that infrastructure to spend money on a player, whereas yeah. I don't think Brighton do. The one... No. The one thing that Brighton do seem to be really good at is finding little gems. One in particular is uh, Mitoma, phenomenal player. Absolutely. He's been a revelation this season. Definitely one of the signings of the season. But yeah, Bright- I can't see Brighton spending 30, 40 million on a player. Not that it's always needed. You one know. of these gems isn't going to shine up so bright or one of these gems isn't going to develop as quickly as Brighton expects. Brighton bring in 
players that are good enough to get them into the top half of the Premier League and yeah. sell on for a profit. Basically, yeah. that's that's kind of I think that's Brighton's model. And yeah, it's their MO, yeah. I really and, respect you know, it and enjoy it and like it. I'm just yeah, sometimes you're gonna, think, you're gonna bet on the wrong horse sometimes. That's yeah. just it's just but, math. But so far, but I think and I think it works like again, no offense to Brighton. I think it works for a team like Brighton. I'm not saying that Newcastle are bigger than that, but when Mike actually tried that, it didn't work because Newcastle had played in Europe before. They had been qualifying for Euro, um, UEFA Cups and stuff like that beforehand. And I don't and think there's it an worked. impatience around it because you're like, yeah. well, we should be here already. Why are we going yeah. back? Whereas Brighton are doing a slow and steady build. If they keep doing this and keep finishing in that position, we won't be saying they're not a big club because they will grow with their success it's just a time thing exactly and it works perfectly for them you know a a team that what four years ago five was it five years ago maybe not even that were were in the championship with newcastle yeah Uh, they got promoted when we came up as well so to see both of us up there has been quite nice as well so we move on to the team that just missed out effectively on europe in tottenham and that's despite (laughs) kane scoring 30 goals 30 premier league goals and they still couldn't finish higher which says a lot about Tottenham and I feel like we're in another Tottenham are a little bit very, not in turmoil but it is very Dortmundy of them which is your new thing is uh, are Dortmund Spursy or Do- or Spurs Dortmundy debate it. I like I like Dortmund so they can't be Spursy but yeah Tottenham feel a little bit in another how we've ended this season where they started in a bit of chaos and they've ended it in chaos it feels like a really down a season for them. Has anyone got anything positive to just, say before they kick them? They're going to get paid a lot of money for Harry Kane, so that's I, a good thing. I they're going to have some they NFL games at the stadium. Yes. Haven't they got like a go-kart track or something like that? Yes. Yes, cool. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's fun. So, uh, in terms of their football, um, what how are you, do you feel, Tommy? Because I feel like the positive is going to stop, aren't they? They've kicked a ball. They've got, they've got a striker players. that's put a ball in the net 30 times this season. That's that's something, right? They they have a team of, of, of players. They're never going to be without a manager as long as Ryan Mason stays around. And to be fair, they've never had to concede a game because they haven't been able to get a team together. But so, you true. know, they've, they're having a, they've had a good well, season really, by all you standards. You guys are really not going to be anything. It's basically Harry Kane's the positive for this season and everything uh, else is... A... Uh, I, don't, I don't think you can say much positive about Spurs this season other than Harry Kane. Like, I think everybody else has not performed as well as they did last season. The managerial situation has been a massive shit show since Conte left and even like even it's been a shit show. Season, yeah. It's been a shit show. <laughs> I was gonna not say since since last year. year. Since last year it's been a shit show. And it's been a case right. of when will this shit show actually sort of is explode, that, if that maybe, makes sense. Is it maybe the problem that there's no end in sight for this shit show? I hate the, the phrase the, shit show, the, but this the, apparently the, is the, the word we've gone on. The problem is that Daniel Levy and whoever becomes the director of football and all of this stuff, they have to decide what kind of club Spurs are. Because they had that with Pochettino and they were doing well. Yeah, we've got young players here. We play pressing football. We do this and we'll be successful. And then it went wrong. And then they've started going after big name managers. They got a Mourinho, very different type of coach who wants very different players. And then they fucked up picking a manager and they got Nuno. And then they corrected that and they got Conte. Again, it's a big name manager. Oh, we're going to be great. And it looked like they probably would be decent. But you knew Conte wouldn't be there forever. You knew what he was like as a manager. They need to decide, you know, are we going to be Chelsea light where we can't compete financially with these other people and spend 
80 $90 million on a player each year, especially without Champions League, without probably without selling someone, because that is like the financial reality for a lot of teams. Or are they going to go back to what they were and pick an actual manager who's going to do the job for them and be able to convince a manager to come? Because at the moment, they're going to end up with Nuno again, and then they'll just be in the same position, position Isn't again. Isn't Nuno just winning league titles? Frank, Frank Lampard's available. <laughs> it's, it's it's they, they, just need, they need to sort themselves out and decide what they're doing and pick a manager or a type of manager that is going to suit that and stick with them and give them the backing that they need, except that maybe next season they will finish eighth again but the, the, or seventh, but there will be some kind of progress and some kind of like proper playing style with a manager who is committed to being there for the long term and they can progress from there. I don't think anyone anyone's going to sum up Spurs better than that, like pretty much gave oh, it the rundown. I think, and I think it's been top. weird watching watching Spurs this season because they've, they've had some games where they have they've played good football and looked good and then... They've also had games where you wouldn't know if the tactics were done on the back of like a packet of crisps or something because they've just looked that out of ideas. And again, without Kane, you know, Kane can score goals in any team because of the quality of them. So it hasn't really mattered to him that much how shit the other 10 behind him have been. But for some games, there's just been no, I don't know, no leadership on the pitch. And I think that's the biggest problem. I don't think Kane's a leader. I think he leads by example, as in he scores 30 goals in a season, but he's not going to be a player that's going to sort of start shouting at you saying, you know, pull yourself together. You need to be better. You're shit, basically. And I think that's maybe where Spurs have gone wrong, that they don't have any leaders on the pitch. And when it comes to, you know, Conte is a big personality and maybe a few of the players shied away from that a little bit because they didn't like him as a manager and his personality. And obviously you sack Conte, bring in the assistant manager. Something's going to change there. So the most bizarre decision I've ever, well, one of the most bizarre decisions I've ever seen. And it and it summed it up like at Newcastle. Obviously, we were what five nil up after twenty one minutes. And the interview with the assistant manager. Oh, I, I tried a different formation today in defence. And it's like, why would you do that? Why? Like, what even possesses you to think about changing your formation from five at the back to four at the back away from home against a team that scores goals at home? Like, it's just some of the decisions just were ridiculous and to be honest i think that game probably summed up spurs season more than anything no i really want to see lampard at spurs now though thanks for that squiggy i want I to see i want to see yeah. lamp i want to see lampard managing and richardson leading the line for spurs bringing yerry mina on a free from everton oh, oh what a oh, what a time would, to be alive that would just be beautiful emerson yeah, royale and yerry mina we have, we have uh-huh. riots in london like we had in like 2010 or whenever it was Oh yeah, I was there for that. That was scary. I didn't like that. Now we move on to Brentford. Daniel, do you have any views on Brentford? Not bad. Didn't they? Didn't they smash us this season? They did. That's why I yep. went to you first. Um, smashed a lot of teams this season. Daniel. They've had a really, really good season. Yeah, it, Newcastle. I don't think they've got enough praise, and I'm saying that from my view of Brentford. I just don't think Brentford have been given enough credit. I mean, Tony ended on twenty league goals. Yeah. Bet you didn't see that happening. Sorry, I was waiting no, for that. I was oh, wondering how long sorry, it was going to take. Uh, yeah, no, they they done well this season. Again, we'll see how they do next season without their leading their leading man. I don't think they've got the resources to pull anyone in that's going to do that again for them. So I've got Brentford fighting for relegation next season. Jesus, I'm like, did Brentford get enough praise this season? Daniel's like, sure, well, but next season. <laughs> I mean, they finished mid table. Yeah, good, but. Is anyone? It's the really... highest finish in like eighty-four years. You know and, that, right? Yeah, and you look yeah, at. I've only been in the Premier League three years. I mean, yeah. But Why am look... I defending Brentford? <laughs> just because like you like shit clubs, but like look at Ivan Tony's twenty odd goals this season. Not many strikers do that in the Premier League. Look through the rest of their squad. Like 
Really? You are with that, that, perf- that performing well above where they probably yeah. should be. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's been good because they've, they've, they've come in, they've had an identity from playing in the championship and they've, and they've played the same way in the Premier League and, it, and it's worked. But a little bit like Sheffield United, they came and they played with a certain way and it worked to a certain extent and then it stopped working and then they fought relegation. And I, I kind of agree with Dan. And maybe they're not fighting to stay in the division, but I don't think they're going to be breaking into the top half again. I don't think they'll be talking about Brentford for Europe next year. And I think, again, that's probably down to, to Tony and the fact that they're not going to have money, even if, because, you know, you could, they could sell Tony, well, they could have, and, you know, brought in a couple of good players for that, for the money that we get for Tony. But now they've got probably no money to spend. I think one of the best things Brentford could do this summer would be to message Ten Hag and say, look, sorry we kicked the shit out of you. But next season, can we have Ahmad Diallo on loan? We'll look after him. I think uh, he obviously had a f- pretty damn good season for Sunderland. Um, <laughs> he's, he's turning some heads. He could do with a game time. He's obviously not going to get many minutes at Man United. And I think if I was Brentford's boss, I would be looking at someone like an Ahmad Diallo and say he could come in and do a job for us. Uh, to maybe save us from relegation. I mean, if you've got anything positive to say about Brentford, because I didn't expect this to be such a negative s- segment on them. But they've done well, finishing the top half. Yeah, I think for uh, the team in the second season of the Premier League. Yeah, pretty good. I'm going to group these together, even though one of them finished significantly higher, is all three promoted teams did stay up, which hasn't happened that often recently. Fulham, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth, who saw this happening? No, I, I do you know what? Fulham, again, what a season. I obviously at the start of the season I unfortunately didn't make the um preview uh episode, but You did not. <laughs> I had Fulham down for the drop pretty much straight off the bat. That's why and you didn't make the episode. Fulham have been <laughs> phenomenal. Really, really enjoyable to watch. Marco Silva has done a fantastic job. Obviously, when you've got, again, one of the best strikers in the league in Mitrovic, maybe not as prolific as a lot of the other strikers, but it's got to be said, he is one of the best at the, in the league. Just absolutely phenomenal. Really, really enjoyable to watch. And they've shown a real belief that they do belong in the Premier League. A few good signings again. William, I wrote him off when he signed. I thought he was washed up. I didn't think he would do very well. I've obviously retracted that statement and apologised uh, to you, Lau Lau. I've got the document, don't worry. You have got the document, my apology, my official apology. But no, Fulham, phenomenal. The other the other promoted sides, Nottingham Forest, they've just spent a shit ton and not done anything amazing. Bournemouth, okay at times, but not very good. Yeah, Fulham are the side that really deserve all the, all the credit coming up. I, I mean, I, I think Bournemouth deserve more credit than you're giving them. Like I do as well finished like losing 9-0 very early in the season they had Scott Parker in charge and they've stayed up in a Premier League season I know he got sacked early but it's still impressive and they brought in Gary O'Neill who doesn't have managerial experience and they stayed up they also sort of took the cut, the rug from under Gary O'Neill's feet by the whole that it seemed like he was leaving and they were going to get Bielsa in, I think was the rumour, wasn't it? And he sort of, Gary O'Neill waved goodbye before the World Cup and then sort of was like, hey yeah. guys, still here. Which is kind of undermining to his authority if you think about it. Because yeah. they're like... Fulham obviously finished the highest out of promoter club, so they, they'll be very happy. But I think most people probably had Bournemouth as like nailed on to go down. Yeah. Especially after the start of the season. So the Wicked Boys. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when they lost 9-0 to Liverpool, most people went, mm, that might happen again. Or they're gonna, they're probably going to lose another few matches, like 5-6. I 
goals. So I think for them to, you know, pretty comfortably avoid relegation is pretty good, especially like some of the results that they've had this season, like winning away at Spurs, beating Liverpool at home, some big wins against the teams around them as well. well I think they deserve massive credit. And I think Gary O'Neill's done like a really good job there. Is it not Bournemouth flattered to deceive a little bit that uh, have Bournemouth done well or the teams below them have just done unexpectedly they've got, shit? They've got, they've got 39 points. Like Most of the time, that is going to keep you up. I also yeah, don't think I know, it's been like, lucky like... wins. They have earned a lot of their... Like, they've grind... like, they... Yes, they've not dominated and whooped anyone, but a lot of their wins yeah. have been comfortable and it's been a, a well-oiled machine. Down at the bottom when they win, you're not going to dominate a team. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's what I'm just I going mean, on the point. You're going to be scrappy and you're going to play to your strengths and you get the points that you need. Like... I you shouldn't expect teams down there to like absolutely batter teams and you know deserve every single point or win that they get you like, just want them to get like, them over the line yeah they, they they need to play to their strengths and, and get the points they did and uh, points they need and, and they did that if you said look at that squad and how many of them players would you take if you were another premier league club yeah. without hesitation you, yeah, you i don't the season after january window and you go ah, where will bournemouth finish most people would have gone rock bottom or at least in the bottom three I think to, I say, to comfortably avoid relegation is like a massive success for them. Yeah, and I think they, it's nice to see, to be honest, because it is nice that for once all the teams have stayed up because it has shaken up the league a little bit. I'm going to ask Squiggy because he's the only one who hasn't really spoke on this, but Forrest, I'm guessing, that surprised you because they were looked like a bit of a mess. Yeah, they were my. I think we did a prediction not long after we beat Forrest, I think, at their place. I think you might have um, dubbed them the, what, the worst team you saw play or something, didn't you? You were. I think I, I think so. They were very they were very bad when we played them at wherever they play. I've forgotten the name of their ground already. And they were on a really bad run as well. And I just thought, yeah, they're going down, but they've turned it around. And again, credit to to the to them for sticking with manager because they could have easily sacked them probably twice this season, I think. There was times towards the probably before the World Cup and then to be honest, probably during the World Cup, and then not long after the World Cup, and then probably a couple of months ago when they were just sort of at the end of that bad patch of form, there were sort of big rumours that he was going to get sacked and everything. But again, I think it's one of them. It shows that sometimes you have to stick with stick with what you've got. And I know Bournemouth sacked Parker, but they stuck with Gary O'Neill throughout the whole thing. You know, they could have got probably another manager in, but they stuck with Gary O'Neill and did a great job. Yeah, I think it shows that sometimes you don't have to you don't have to sack a manager for a change, and that sometimes you just give them the backing, and that sometimes helps as well. But I, I was surprised that Forrest stayed up. It'd be interesting to see what they do next season if they're going to spend loads of money again. The next team I was going to touch on is Chelsea, but obviously we are going to do a Chelsea special episode here on Football Beef, so we don't feel like we're neglecting you Chelsea fans because we would never dream of it because... I think they'll probably be glad that we're not covering yeah. the moment. But overall, they finished with 30 points less than they did last season. Are we all concerned about Chelsea <laughs> season, to be fair? It's probably the nicest way, but it concern. There are two words that sum up Chelsea very nicely, and I think we all know what they are. Frank Lampard? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I think you get what you deserve when you hire Frank Lampard as your manager. Well, that'll be more of those takes coming in the Chelsea special episode, so stay tuned for them. But the other teams, I've grouped them together because obviously they've had a mixed season for different reasons. Wolves, West Ham... Palace, I'm going to start with Tommy on Wolves because obviously originally you had them down as you thought they might be the shock team to be relegated and at one point it looked like you were going to be a genius and then it changed. I I, I will be sticking to my guns for next season, especially with how their season has ended and the fact that it looks like Lopetegui might be leaving. 
based on the fact that they don't have money to spend. And I think that's a huge alarm. It should be going off. Scarily similar to what's happened to Leicester, that they couldn't spend money and they've ended up going down. Spoiler. Yeah. I mean, when it looked like they were going to go down, obviously, I'm sure a lot of their fans were kind of fearing the worst. And it looked like they were maybe going to start to drift a little bit. Um, so Lopetegui's done well to come in and get the points that they need again to see them comfortably safe. Obviously, they'll be disappointed to have finished where they did, but I feel like maybe some of their fans were kind of preparing themselves for a bit of like a season of like a, a slog. I think they'll happy, happy, they'll be happy they stayed up, but I think there'll be some kind of trepidation about next season. They won't be resting on their laurels, basically. It's like, job done this season. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even think it's that. I think it's more that, like, from the fans' point of view, they're probably looking and be like, well, Neves is probably going to leave. I think Jimenez is leaving. I think Johnny's going to be leaving as well. Yeah. Who's going to be replacing these players? Is the manager going to leave? Who's the new manager going to be? What's, like, the squad going to look like in a while? So it's not so much resting on laurels. I think it's, yeah, we stayed up. Now let's kind of see what happens. Griggy, I'm going to ask you about Palace. I mean, it's been a sort of, I guess, a sort of positive season, but there was just like a big sort of red flag in the middle when they had to sack Vieira after that losing streak and then Roy come in. And Did I predict Palace to go down this season or was it the last season? I can't remember. It was last season you said they get relegated, but you said also you couldn't see them getting a top half finish this season. Yeah, it, it was weird because last season I thought they were going to go down with all the sort of the changes that they made. And then this season... But, oh, you know what, maybe they'll they'll be okay. They won't set anything alight and they'll be okay. And I suppose in the end, they that is what's okay. happened. Yeah. It's, and... it's kind of like a season where you want to, you can't really praise them. They've had some decent positive performance under Roy in the end and stuff like that. But it just feels a bit like, cool. Yeah, done, I think, but I think it's, it's one of them where, again, like no offense to, to Roy Hodgson, but a 75 year old manager shouldn't be coming back in to make sure your club doesn't get relegated. That's probably the biggest worry from Palace fans that Vieira wasn't the one. And so they've brought back Roy. What happens if Hodgson doesn't want to stay on for another year? Who do they go to then? And then what happens after that? I think that's sort of probably the biggest worry for Palace fans. Well, two words for you, Palace board. You know, Frank Lampard. Yeah. I don't like how this is becoming this podcast's catchphrase. Daniel, you get the privilege of talking about West Ham. What have you made of West Ham this season? Because obviously it could all still end with them qualifying for Europe next season if they win a certain cup. Absolutely. Uh, do you know what? West Ham's been up. It's been a weird season. I think we could all agree on that. They've obviously not got the league position that they wanted, finishing in the in the mid-bottom half. But overall, I, th- I still think it's been an all right season. You know, they've, they could win their first silverware in quite a while. Um, and a few real things like positive steps to look forward to. Obviously, Jared Bowen has played phenomenal this season. Really, really good season. Declan Rice, I've been quite critical of him in seasons gone past, but he's taken... finally on the band. You find you finally joined us in the Rice Club. Uh to a degree, yeah. And when you're captain for a club with the kind of history of West Ham and the notoriety they have, it, it's a bit of a job. Still, only twenty-four. It's a hell of a responsibility, one that he's taken on quite well. They don't have a particularly good squad, but the one or two, you know, maybe three good players they've got have kept them in the Premier League. Now, obviously, they were kind of facing the drop at one point as well. They're only, I think they finished what, I'm not looking at the table, but it was like six or seven points above relegation. So 
you know, I think they've not had a fantastic season, but I don't think many West Ham fans are going to be too doom and gloom this season, especially if they get some silverware as well. But I think going into the summer, their big, their main thing is to keep hold of Declan Rice and see whether it's not replace him. I don't think you can that easily. I really don't think you can. I think, yeah, it's got to be keep hold of Declan Rice because he's your star man next year and going on to next year. They've got to be fighting for Europa League again. They have to be. Should we move on to the teams that we won't be talking about in the preview because they've been relegated? Let's talk about the Southampton and Leeds. Right, let's it's not, it's not, start. It's not as catchy a song as uh, let's talk about sex, baby. But It really isn't. But should we start with Southampton? Tommy, you literally said in the preview that why you wouldn't say for certain if you thought they'd go down, you said you were very, very, very concerned for Southampton after their transfer business and they were taking a huge gamble with everyone they were signing. And, and look at how right I was. You can't say the right was on the ball, but it was, it was obviously a risk signing lots of young players. And then they did the weird thing of like a massive pivot mid-season. Uh, I mean, not a massive one because they still signed some like young players, but they sat their manager and bought in probably the person who was the second worst manager in the Premier League this season. And then they signed players for the sake of it in January, like at which point they were looking relatively doomed, I think. Then they just signed players and they either didn't play them or they were just terrible. Like, I just think you can't just decide you're going to sign young players to sell for profit and be like, yeah, this will do. And like half of them have never started a match of senior football before and expect it not to go horribly wrong, especially sacking two managers in one season. Not saying they were wrong to sack the managers, but hiring one of them was a mistake. And I just think it's kind of where probably most people expected, maybe not rock bottom, but I expected that, you know, they were in trouble. It's maybe more like the manner of the relegation that will be concerning, just like the how easy it was for them to get relegated, I think. They were the first ones to officially go, which is always... Yeah, and, and it, like, even when it wasn't official, like, it's one of those things where you look at tables all the time, you're like, yeah, you're you're gone. Like I know it's not confirmed yet, but you are. You're down. Let go of the wood in the like the like Titanic style yeah. water is what I'm picturing here. Like let go, Southampton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just realised didn't the Titanic leave from Southampton as well? Have I just connect? I think I might have just made a connection. We're through the looking glass. Here, I know. People. I, I didn't realise how clever my reference was until I analysed it. Gwiggy, I kind of want to go to you first on Leeds, because once again, do you know what you said in the preview? No, oh, it's been a long season, Laura. Oh, oh, Squiggy. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he predicted them for top four, didn't he? He pretty much might have, because this is the quote we got from Squiggy on the preview on Leeds. He didn't think they would be, you know, breaking down any barriers, which is fair enough. But he said, I quote, they will be nowhere near danger. Don't worry. <laughs> I quote. Oh, Squiggy. Well... Well, danger snuck up on them, didn't it? <laughs> you said how great their signings were. You, you know, had a lot of faith in them. You, you really backed them to be like, yeah, it's do you know fine, what? guys. I, I, I genuinely thought they'd be fine this season. Genuinely did. And yeah, I just don't think, I think they got off to a pretty, a pretty poor start and it just went, it went from there. I think a lot of teams, you can sort of tell in the first probably couple of months if it's going to be a struggle or not for them. And Unfortunately for me and my predictions, Leeds started off pretty badly and carried on pretty badly. 
in and fairness, ended pretty badly. You based the prediction on you thought they had a lot of goals in the side, which you believe would be key to staying up. But what you didn't account. Um, Count was the goals not bad were being scored yeah. against them. Yeah. yeah, you didn't account that they would have to. They sort of opened their doors to go forward. Yeah, I don't know what. It, I mean, I, I think they had quite a few injuries as well. I'm not making excuses for me and my predictions or for Leeds no, going no, down. No, no, no. I, th- I think I think I think they had a few injuries. Bamford looked like a shell of a player from a couple of years ago, and the midfield just didn't seem to to turn up. the The signings probably weren't as good as what they were on paper. Well, they didn't so, settle always quickly. Yeah, so it's one of them, isn't it? The, again, they the probably deserve to go down from the way they played. And sacking... Did the sack Marsh and bring in... Sack Marsh brought in Javi Grasso and then they sacked him yeah. and brought in Big Sack. Yeah. And Man- I think managers you... twice doesn't seem to work out well based on what, this conversation. This, yeah. I, don't... I mean, this for me, this season is just a season of baffling managerial decisions just like across the board. But... Leeds' problem was that they just couldn't defend. Yeah, they just then, couldn't. Once they conceded they, one, it was we're going to concede more. It's not we're going to get back into this and maybe you know nick a two, nick a two one, or just get a, a draw. If you're in like mid table and you get to the point of the season where you're having to score like three, four goals to win a match, it's fine. You'll have those random matches. If you're at the bottom of the table and you go into a match knowing that you are probably going to have to score three goals to win a match you're going to have a bad time. And arguably yeah. your main striker is sat on the stands because he's yeah. hurt. Yeah. And, the, the, and, and to be fair, when he's playing, he's not very good anyway. And then they just made some baffling managerial decisions. I don't think Marsh is probably the right person to take them really far forward, but I don't, th- I don't think he would have got them relegated. I think the changes of the two managers probably. I think, I think, I think they were kind of on course relegation when they sacked Marsh, but maybe not in this manner. But then the yeah. managers they bought in weren't the managers to get them away from trouble. Yeah. Especially when they bought them in. Like, why would you bring Sam Allardyce in as like a hard pivot with, what was it? Five, four four, four games. Four or five games. Just, just, just bizarre. Just with a defence that's already leaking goals anyway, so he's not going to be able to make them play. Bizarre. You can concur with that, Daniel, about Leeds. It was all a bit doomed from the start. Yeah, I do. And it's I was watching a game earlier against Spurs and weirdly they're the side that despite the rivalry, I didn't really want them to go down. I think Southampton are shit. There's not a single player at Southampton that I would want at United. There's a little part of me that's I'm a little bit worried for Liverpool in the set because I feel like if anyone's gonna go in for Ward Prowse, it'll be Liverpool and I think it would just be an awful sign off. Nah, we won't go forward, Prowse. He'll be like uh, Villa or something like that. There's no decent player at Southampton, so they deserve to go down. Leicester, again, full of shit players. I think Leeds are the one that I didn't really want them to go down. But unfortunately, as Tommy and you and Squiggy have said, the league doesn't really lie. It turns out how it's going to turn out. And Leeds just didn't have enough fight in them. They've just conceded way too many goals and didn't really look like they could put up much of a fight against many of the teams. So they definitely deserve to go down. And now the final team that went down was Leicester City. Obviously, touch on Everton, but obviously because Everton got the win, Leicester did what they could to stay up on the final day by getting the win, but obviously it was too little, too late. Tommy, Leicester, what went wrong? Not refreshing the squad enough, I think. Rodgers wasn't particularly happy at the start of the season, and then there was just sort of like a massive 
deterioration performance from a lot of their players, like particularly people like Ndidi and Tielemans and even sort of like, I know that Madison and Barnes had sort of like flashes, but there was still past season where they were injured or not performing. And I think it was just sort of like a big kind of like drop off by a lot of their players from where, you know, we know they can be and where they can perform. And then I think that's sort of about um, Wolves not being able to bring in or as many players maybe they would want to or need to. I think Leicester had the same problem and then they were kind of scrambling for players and the ones they did bring in weren't really good enough to help them. They obviously lost Kasper Schmeichel in the summer and went into the season with Danny Ward as their keeper. Like, I don't think Danny Ward... Well, I didn't think Danny Ward was like a bad keeper, but he's not <laughs> but really you do now. good <laughs> season. He wasn't. He wasn't the main reason they went down, but he also probably wasn't a commanding well, presence in the in the back, yeah, like the back I don't, five. I don't think Schmeichel, like last season or things like that, was as good as he had been previously. Like he wasn't an elite goalkeeper or anything, but he was better than Danny Ward. And it's, I think it's more sort of like a, an ever, like uh, a good example of their kind of problems that that was their sort of like starting keeper and and the drop off that they had. Just a strange manager, managerial decision like sacking Brendan Rodgers and bringing in Dean Smith to keep you up. Yeah, you deserve to go down if you if you bring in Dean Smith. It's pretty much the same as Lampard. To be fair, like you know, you're going to be I facing. Think that's harsh on Dean. Dean Smith's done it, well somewhere. Really, I don't think I can really, say the same about Lampard. It, it yeah, really isn't. Well, at Brentford, he did well with Villa for a while. Mm, I think um, I think I fear for Leicester a little bit more because looking through their squad, I mean they they do have a lot of shit players. I said it earlier in a, in another group that Tielemans is basically a midfielder. Rigi, uh, he's I think people like the idea of him, but he's never done anything to actually. He's he's shown little glimpses of something he can do, but he's never going to do it consistently. But looking through the Leicester squad, I can't see many of those players in the Championship. Harvey Barnes is the one that I think out of anyone would probably stay because he's a lifer. He's been, you know, he started with Leicester in their youth system and he's continued on. He'll, uh, he'll go. Leicester will get 30 million for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if he goes, they're going to get some good money for him. I'm not saying that. I just think that if anyone was going to stay to help them fight back for Premier League promotion again, he's probably going to be the one. I think Madison is obviously gone. Vardy will probably stay, but can he do a 42-game season? I don't know. I would just retire if I was him now. Yeah, I think so. Tielemans, again, shithouse, just move out to Turkey already. Pereira, again, can you see him playing champions in the championship? Probably not. Or I could even see him going out for, to Turkey for a big move, uh, like a Galatasaray or something like that. He's working as an agent for Turkey. I'd say there's a lot of players here. going to Turkey here. Yeah. Fenerbahce is going to have a completely different team. If you've got a plane lined up or something I like mean, this you just you can kind of see it from previous seasons gone by players that have had little flashes and then they've gone out there and then they come back to the Premier League for they're, you know cheap they're money. Probably, they're probably players that probably maybe would get in a bottom five or six Premier League club if they moved. Exactly. Or they would go to, or this, they would go to sort of a lower this is a thick this is a team thing. in Europe. They're players who two, three years ago a lot of clubs like in the top half would have looked at and been like, you're a good player. Like wouldn't necessarily sign them, but they didn't look out of place in a Leicester side that was going for the top four. No, uh, absolutely not. You're, you're, you're spot there's on. Been, there's been a massive drop-off in their performance. Oh, Man yeah. United were looking at Ricardo Pereira and they were also looking at Soyuncu. So, you know, that, that's people, what I'm saying. Raving about Ndidi, people wanted yeah. Tielemans, people wanted Pereira, people wanted Madison, Barnes, like things like this. And then mm-hmm. there's yeah. a massive drop-off. Where does Madison go? Happened, but... 
Is is Madison going to Newcastle? I don't think I would take him at Newcastle, and that's not like that's the season he's played himself out of a move. Yeah, like watching him sort of the past six or seven weeks when he's been sort of I'm not going to say fully fit, but he has been fit enough to play all these games. He hasn't. I mean, I know he's been in a shit team, but he hasn't looked like the player that we probably need. But I think he wants to go twenty-five mil. 25 mil, absolutely, but not the probably 40 to 50 mil that's been quoted. Yeah, quoted, I feel quoted, like you're, cap, you're capping at 30, aren't you, really? Yeah. Anyone yeah, 30 and you're looking on elsewhere. But again, I think he's one of those players where I don't think he would fit in with the way Newcastle play. He's not a, I'm not going to say he's not a hard worker because he, he has worked hard for Leicester. And if anyone was going to drag them out of it, it was probably going to be him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's a player that will work hard for, for 38 games a season. Because his body will just break down. I don't think he's able to do it. Yeah, but as a squad player, I think when we were talking about their midfield earlier and, you know, with the likes of Joe Willock and, and yeah. players like that, I feel like if you've got a Madison that can contribute 20, 25 games a season and come in with five to ten assists and four or five goals, I think he's probably worth a little punt. Anyway, should we just sum up Everton before we go into our end of season highlights, low light? Mm. So Everton, they stayed up, job done in terms of what they were aiming to do in the last few weeks of the season. But it's been I, another disappointing campaign. I don't, I don't understand Everton, and again, I, I don't like Everton. I absolutely hate Everton. I don't, I don't understand them as a football club. Like they spend money on shite. They had Lampard in charge for probably too long. And they're celebrating staying up like they've won the league. And obviously you don't want to get relegated, but you've done it two two years in a row. And the fans seem happy that the fact they've stayed up on the last day of the season and they forget about all the all the shit that they've given to the board and all the players throughout the season because they've stayed up on the last game of the season. It's like, well, maybe going down wouldn't have been the worst thing for you because you're gonna have the same problem next year because you aren't signing players who fit in with a Premier League team that's going to be fighting at the bottom of the table. You sign luxury players who don't want to work hard. And I think that's Everton's biggest problem. And, you know, they got they got lucky to step like Decore, if he hits that ball under the 99 times, he's probably going to knock out an Everton fan in the stand. Is that a view you share, Tommy? You... I didn't realise we had the celebration police in here. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to see something different happening for Everton next season, other than another relegation battle. I think Sean Dyche is a good manager, but but he wasn't able to get them clear of a like, relegation scrap that went down to the last day. It's hard to see a huge amount changing at like board level or kind of like financially for the club. So it's hard to see much changing with the squad. Obviously, next season could be completely different, but it feels like they're a team kind of like getting to the point that like Sunderland were. And I would say kind of like how Southampton have been over the last few seasons where you look at them at the start and you're like, Okay, yeah, okay, this is fine. And then and then it goes badly and you're like, oh, okay, maybe not. Next year you might go down and they, and they kind of keep graping by just enough. Like the reason I, I think... made the Sunderland comparison was when they were in the Premier League, what was it now, like 10 years ago. And they, they always came just close, but then they would sack the manager and get yeah. someone in. They would just stay up and then it happened again and then it happened or one more bit. time. And then you were like, yeah, you've kind of used up all your luck. Now you and are a bit like Wigan, Wigan as well would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, like it, it, and it's starting to feel a little bit like that, yeah. and it feels like unless there is a big change in how they kind of operate as a club, and probably with like new owners coming in and 
you know, making them kind of more financially viable, that is very much going to be the same situation again. And I think uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been a big talking point over the last couple of years because we've seen what he can do when he's fit. Unfortunately, I think that's a, it's a missed opportunity now. And I think you kind of have to, if you're Everton, take whatever money you can get and just move on from it. I don't think he's ever going to give you what, what you're looking for. I, I mean, when you've got a Dominic Calvert-Lewin scoring the same amount of goals as Yerry Mina in a season, you really need to look at your squad and go, right, where are we fucking up here? What is going wrong? Everton, unless something major happens, Everton are easily going down next season because the squad that they've got are just... They're, they're not a Premier League-level squad. They're barely a Championship-level squad. Yeah, I think Everton do did deserve to go down this season. Yeah, it's a, it's a toxic club, toxic environment. So I don't have much hope for them going into next season. Right. So let's sum up the Premier League season briefly as we can with some categories to break it down. We'll start with everyone's highlight of the season, low light. I feel like this is going to be related to your club because highlight wise, I know mine isn't though. But Daniel, what has been your highlight of this Premier League season? Probably watching Arsenal shit the bed again, like only Arsenal can. It's been quite enjoyable to watch. Wiggy, your highlight? Beating Spurs 6-1 at home. Tommy, your highlight? I mean, it's got to be 7-0 against United, doesn't it? <laughs> you might have enjoyed oh. your 9-0 against Bournemouth. I don't know, I, don't know, I did, but it's, beating Bournemouth 9-0 is very different to beating Man United 7-0. True. Did, he not, did he not enjoy our 6-1 against Spurs, Tommy? I mean, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, a, a, a team that I do not support ended <laughs> up directly competing with the team that I do support, <laughs> smashing a team that I don't care about was an oh, absolute highlight of my season. I thought you would enjoy it. And for my, me, my highlight was the fact that Bournemouth stayed up after Parker ran down that squad and it wasn't him who did it. So because I'm not there. I had a great season as Fulham fan. And yet that's still my highlight. Low lights. Is anyone? I feel like Daniels might be Tommy's highlight. <laughs> yeah, actually, we got beat seven nil by uh, Liverpool. That was pretty sad. Yeah, I, I went into that game as well, fancying our chances, and then, good lord, that just yeah, they bullied us. Greedy's low light. The fact it's really hard is actually probably a positive for you, isn't it? Yeah. And we move on. Liverpool featuring everything. Final. <laughs> uh, it's not Premier League though. Probably. Either Premier League is either probably the 3 0 defeat at Villa or Liverpool doing the double over us. Yeah. No, that, the, the Villa one can't even be a low light. They just, they, they, I'm, I'm generally clutching. Outplayed. They I'm, fully yeah. outplayed you. Like, I'm genuinely clutching at straws here for a, for a low light of this season. Yeah, you've had vibes all season. So, yeah, there's no low lights, just vibes. Tommy, have you, I mean, have you got a low light? felt really insulting then and then I realised. Tommy, what's your low light? I'm, try- I'm trying to think of something that isn't specifically related to my team. But then the other thing that I've thought of is actually kind of related to them. I'm going to say Everton managing to, to beat Bournemouth unless they're going down. Because I just think it would have been funny. So basically... Like, got a draw or a win and Everton had gone down. It would have been funny. Fair. I mean, I struggle with low lights. I never thought I'd say that as a fun fan at the start of the season. I'm trying to think of what they were other than that FA Cup, which, as Squiggy said, it's a cup competition, not a Premier League. I'm like, low lights. What has made me sad? Mitrovic are not going to jail for the disgusting <laughs> assault on the referee. <laughs> you know what? Actually, no. Low light is probably where the feud started. I'll go with that West Ham game with the handballs because I'm still mad. And I just don't like to. I won't get over it, Tommy. They were... Three goals with his... No, is it all right? I'm, not... I'm going to move on. Signing of the season, people. Daniel, do you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, Scotty Harland for Man City. But for Man United, it's the butcher at the back, Martinez. What a player. Can't wait for next season already. Griggy? Probably 
Probably Haaland, and if we're looking at Newcastle, probably Sven Botman. Tommy? I'm just going to go the season as a whole, and I'm going to say Casemiro, because Man United finally have an actual defensive midfielder. <laughs> like, and he's, when he's not suspended. Him, but it was worth it, because I think without him, they don't finish in the top four. Casemiro pisses me off, though. Oh, my can I, God. Can I, so just give a, can I just give a shout-out to a player? A kanji yeah. at Man City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Co- yeah. He's come in, he's played pretty much across the entire back four and he hasn't looked out of place across all of it. He's looked solid in every position he's played at Man City. Yeah, fair shout. Can I say my signing season's Palinia because it is, I'm not even going to give Harlan credit, it's Palinia because without him, Fulham would probably be in that relegation battle. I mean, no, oh, I it was over 100 that. odd tackles. He made over 100 odd tackles. If you see the chart of comparison, the man, it's a machine. He just likes to tackle people. He's he probably really... tackling like his own players as well and they're counting that one. Player of the season, guys. Daniel. Oh. I can't name any of the cities, most of the squad, but maybe a few others you could probably throw in. Jacker, Granite Jacker for Arsenal, Odegaard for Arsenal, most of Newcastle's squad, Bruno, Trips, Jar, Botman, Pope. I just, too I feel many. like you're on a round of points. I would say just name Newcastle starting 11 if you want. You sound like the, yeah. the pitch announcer at St. James's Park. <laughs> Mo- most of Newcastle's team, most of City's team, and a few of Arsenal's for player of the season. But actually, no, do you know what? I'm going to throw Martinez in there as well because what a, what a player. Squiggy. Apart from the obvious, for me, it's being trippier. Tommy? Uh, I mean, it probably has to be the obvious one, doesn't it? With all of his, all of his goals. Um, I don't think you I, can I look like past Harlan. I mentioned to Harry Kane because I feel sorry for him. The fact that he scored 30 goals and was like, oh, Erling Haaland. I thought, I thought you were going to say because he plays at Spurs. Yeah, also, I generally thought it was because Spurs. he's got 30 goals and he plays for Spurs. And that's I think that's worth giving him some credit for. So, unsung hero. Is there any players you think have not got the praise they deserve? I'm going to start with Tommy. I feel like I can make a case for this based on some comments so far on this podcast and also massively biased but I feel I feel like Allison has been up there as one of the best keepers in the league be like 10 points worse off yeah I can get on board with that one I'm fine with you praising Allison I think he's yeah. a great keeper maybe maybe Brian and Bumo because I How think are you I, stealing my guy I think I, th- <laughs> I think I think he's a very good player and I think he's he's got something about him that I quite like. I think he's like he's like a neat little finisher. I think he's really important for Brentford. And I think he'll be even more important now that Ivan Tony can't play for a long time. I'm going to just jump in because I had him as my unsung hero. Because when you think he got eight goals and nine assists and then people worry about Brentford about Tony, well, I think... Well, I could pick another Brentford player and maybe go for Ben Mee. I think he's That's... been very good for them this season. I feel like a lot of Brentford players just haven't got the praise, but then I think just I Brentford think overall... I the nature of being kind of in mid-table, is that you go, Yeah, oh, you're sort of... You appreciate then, they're doing all right and yeah. bit, but not enough to go, oh my God, have you seen? But mm. yeah, I, I'm expecting uh, Mbubo to like kick on, especially with Tony not there, because he's going to have the spotlight mm. on him. But Squiggy, on anyone, I feel like it's going to be a Newcastle player because you get to see them every week. Yeah, I, like, I was trying to think of, of players who aren't in Newcastle, but because I see them every other week, it's, it's got to be Sean Longstaff for me. He does, he does a lot of the, like, the dirty work, if you want to call it, in midfield. Yeah. And and to be fair, to yeah, and to be honest, even Newcastle fans towards the start of the season, oh, why, why is Longstaff playing? Why is Longstaff playing? And then he missed a few games um, the last sort of four or five weeks. And you realise what you're not getting in that midfield when Longstaff's not there. He runs, he runs, he runs. He's not he's not the best ability wise, but he does he does the hard work that other players probably don't want to do. And I think you only realise, you know, that thing, you don't realise you've missed it until it's gone. 
that's kind of what it was like when he was injured. I didn't know you were about to start singing towards Sean Longstaff. <laughs> I didn't know the love had gotten that strong. But uh, he's, he's a fellow Geordie, what can I say? Anyway, Daniel, who is your unsung hero? I've got a couple, actually. Garnacho for Man United. I think he's been an absolute revelation. Someone really, uh, really fun to watch. Shaw and Wan-Bissaka, I don't know if they would count as unsung heroes, because I think if you... I don't think Wan-Bissaka gets enough, to be fair. You get glimpses of people being pleasantly surprised. Well, Wan-Bissaka was one of the first name on most Man United fans' lips when when you're talking about who do you want to sell. Um, and it was that game against Newcastle where he had St. Maximin in his pocket after replacing Dallow. And everyone kind of went, oh shit, he's actually really, really good. I feel like he does deserve a bit of credit. Star for Newcastle, again, because of Botman coming in um, and kind of getting a lot of the praise. I don't think Shah's getting as much as he should. Um, and the final one would be Leno for Fulham. I think... Leno has done really, really well, got them through a few games where they perhaps should have lost as well with not an amazing defence. I think that's fair to say as well. Um, I think Fulham fans should be really quite happy with that signing, uh, but I don't think enough of the the league sees what he's done this season. So, yeah, he would be my final final player there. Right, and now managers, because I feel we might have a mix. Squiggy, do I even want to know who your manager is or can I guess that it's... Uh... Eddie Howe. It's Eddie Howe. Oh. Do, I, do, do I need to justify it? No, you don't need to justify it. Newcastle have got Champions League football in a Newcastle, season where they would Newcastle, have taken temp. <laughs> Newcastle have gained 22 points more this season than last season. And he's improved a lot of players and not gone big yep. and stuff like that. So, And also, you know, he has to be in the uh, shadow of Jason Tindall, as everyone knows. So my, he my dog. some spotlight. He, yes, mad dog. Tommy, who's your manager of the season? Gary O'Neill. Ray, do you want to elaborate on why? He kept Bournemouth in the league quite comfortably with some big results. And I think, again, everybody would have expected them to go down at the start of the season. So I think he deserves praise for what he's done. I'm going Emery is because I think taking Villa up the leagues the way he has when I was not convinced by them for the first few games. I think the first 12 games they ended with 12 points or something before he came in and look at them now, they're in Europe. Not his beloved Europa League, but still, Europe. Daniel, where are you going with Emery as well? Because you mentioned you might earlier, so I was kind of... Yeah, no, I think um, I, I, I'm really torn. I, I, I can't give it to Eddie Howe. I, I can't. He's done fantastic, but I think uh, it's, I'm torn between Emery and Marco Silva. I think I've got to give it to Marco. I think Marco Silva deserves it a little bit more than Emery. Emery's turned around a shit squad. Oh, pander into the host, Daniel. Absolutely He's not. Pander into the host, Daniel. You're coming back for season three in a primetime spot. Keep going. <laughs> no, I think uh, Villa have obviously had the resources to do it and they are a bigger club than Fulham. I yes. think Marco Silva has got the absolute best out of quite a limited squad. Not a great deal of money spent. Um, and managed mid-table when a lot of people, like I said a minute ago, were writing them off for, to go down again. So I think you've got to, I, I've got to give it to uh, to Marco Silva. I love how none of us went with Guardiola, won the league, and we're like, nah. Nah, fuck screw, you. Screw you, Pep. Could, could, win, could win the treble, could win the Champions League, and the FA yeah. Cup, probably will win the FA Cup, but nah. nah fuck I'm like, that. nah, do better. Doing what you were expected to do at the start of the season by a hope, lot of people. I hope he stays he, up till 3am wondering why he's an our manager of the season. Uh, you he know he didn't even win the Europa League. What a scrub. 
Exactly. Didn't win the Europa League, didn't win the Carabao Cup. Absolute fraud. He's going to name us in a press conference next season along with the phrase, more than you more, more than you could believe, something like that. I love it. That would be great for our numbers. Anyway, team performance you were most surprised by. This could be positive or negative. So, Squiggy? Probably Chelsea. But I don't want to talk too much because obviously we're going to touch on that on a complete episode. I but... think you, and everyone kind of knows why you're surprised by Chelsea. You thought they would be a rival this season to Newcastle. And... I mean, based on my prediction at the start of the season, they were in a position to be a rival to Newcastle. Newcastle were just too good but yeah no Chelsea like all the money they spent all the players they brought in probably shouldn't be finishing in that position first time they failed to reach 50 points in the Premier League campaign it works out they spent three uh, it works out they spent 13.6 million per point that's some fun facts for you not unless you're a Chelsea fan then you know sorry that's Tommy. sad facts <laughs> yeah sad facts Tommy guys, yeah it's got to be Chelsea but I don't think there's another answer here obviously I was surprised about Liverpool's performance, but it kind of pales in comparison to Chelsea's. So I'm going to go with Chelsea. Daniel? Yeah, I mean, Chelsea. And the other one, just to throw them in there, would be Leicester as well. I didn't have them going down. In fact, I think if I remember the the last episode when we were speaking about relegations, I believe I said Nottingham Forest were a shoe-in for relegation. They were almost a dead cert. Yeah, so Leicester going down, bit of a shock, even though, despite what I said earlier, I still didn't see them going down. But Chelsea have just absolutely shit in the bed this season absolutely shocking they've got to come back better next season surely and then of course Newcastle because they've just done amazing this season I mean I feel like I can agree on Chelsea because I never thought I mean to be fair it ties in the fact I never thought Fulham would be finishing above Chelsea and also that it wouldn't mean that we were in the top four because <laughs> if you said Fulham finished above Chelsea I would have been uh, thinking I'm joining Squiggy in the Champions League to be honest even though I said they would finish outside the top four Chelsea it's just insane how low they finished I don't think it was plausible, especially because you think eventually all that money would have come together to form some sort of prize. But here we are with Frank Lampard at the helm. Frank Lampard can't. at the helm and Todd Bowley behind the scenes. It's what just, could you be worrying about? It's just mad. Anyway, the last thing we're going to end up on is a bit of a negative, but player you expected more from, Daniel? Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen and Christian Eriksen. I think, uh, obviously, he got injured earlier on in the season and he's been absolutely shit since he came back. His ball retention is pathetic. I do not want to see him at Man United. I want to see him sold. And if we are going to keep going out in the midfield with him, loads of people have said, well, when he plays and Bruno plays and Casemiro plays, Man United rarely lose. Well, yeah, I think, you know, you've got two world-class players there and Christian Eriksen. Like, I think if you put Fred in that place instead of Eriksen, Man United are rarely going to lose if Casemiro and Bruno play. Uh, Christian Eriksen, I expect a lot more for from him and I'm very disappointed. I think he's shit and I want him gone. I mean, I'm going to go next and actually say something a bit more. I expected more from Richarlison. I didn't think he'd I didn't think it really? set the world. Well, I didn't think it set the world alight on Tottenham, but I didn't think it'd be this bad, especially with the stuff like he thought he scored the winner against Liverpool, took off his top. Got that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Richarlison. And I'm gonna say, <laughs> I expected more from. I didn't think it would be this dire. Tommy? Because of everything he done at Everton. Well, no, but he still has something about him, and you're playing alongside. He's you, he scored yeah. a number of goals for them, and he's playing alongside you when you're playing in a team with Kane and Son and Kulusevski, and that you feel like his level would have been raised, and they would help it, like. It helps playing with better players. Surprisingly, you can look good when you're surrounded with better players. But it just didn't work out. Just nothing. 
Tommy? Interesting. From a Liverpool point of view, for Benio, like that was the massive drop off, and you could see watching him, you're like, "What? What has happened to you, my my boy? What? Where? Where have your legs gone? <laughs> my um, boy, my boy, my beautiful boy. boy. What to you, <laughs> beautiful boy, my beautiful ball Brazilian boy. Outside of that, I need to stop falling myself in this, but I know that. When Pochettino comes in and and Chelsea start looking like they've got some kind of structure, I'll get sucked into it again. But I keep on thinking that Kai Havertz is going to have a good season, and then he doesn't. I don't know why. I just I just think that there is a player in there. Like oh, great. He just he just needs to I don't know like be more confident, have the team built around him properly, or something like that. And yeah, I just keep thinking it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and then and then it doesn't. And yeah. I have it. So we'll do well next season if Lukaku comes back hungry and wants to play. If Lukaku comes back hungry and wants to play, he leads the line with Havertz in behind him. Lukaku is a big shit house who will just stop defenders, and Havertz can run in behind. That's when ha- that's when you get the best out of Havertz. Not why he's leading the line because he's not a striker. Griggy, who do you expect more from? Who is it? Who is it? Is it? I mean, I think you've named probably a couple there. Maybe Raheem Sterling. Then... I really thought you were going to say Harry Kane then for some reason. Yeah, like, I expect a lot more from goals. Harry Kane. Yeah. No, maybe I like possibly Sterling, but then I'm kind of, I expected more, but then also he was in a team where by the end of the transfer window, he's the third choice for his position because it signed so many players. So it's kind of like he probably should have done better when he played, but he didn't get that many opportunities, but I would still be disappointed if I was him as well, because I don't think he really turned up much this season. You wanted him to lead by example and stand out in amongst the mess, basically. Yeah, like he's, he he's, he's, left, he's left Man City. He's a Premier League winner. He's done a lot and he's only 27. And it's like, he goes to Chelsea, it's a fresh start. He should be sort of, you know, lead, not leading the line, but he should be sort of going like, I am the main man of this attacking trio or whatever. And he never was, even when he played, he looked, he just, he looked a bit poor, to be honest, as if he didn't really want to be there. On that happy, happy note... We will be back with the Chelsea special episode soon. So that means there'll be more Raheem Sterling chatter, more Chelsea. Do you know what? It's going to be a joyous episode for Chelsea fans. And I'm sure there might be at least one positive point in there. Right, guys? The season's over. And it's a look ahead to a brand new season with Chelsea in that one. Anyway, we've been the Football Bee Podcast. Hit like, hit subscribe, tell your friends, pass it on, rate us five stars and help the algorithm. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at BuzzFootball. Good night. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bruno in the middle. Football base. This just in from the powers that be. We have the reports of a spiffingly wonderful but slightly weird podcast with news from around the world wide web. This podcast contains amusing quips and delightful anecdotes that may just cheer up your Monday. I believe I'm getting some audio from the podcast itself. I seem to have a history with mini golf because I've had a bird land on my shoulder at another mini golf course. You ever thought about not playing mini golf as much or indoor mini golf safely? I've pl- I've played indoor mini golf and I got hit in the head with a mini golf ball. I was like, why would you not know Andre the Giant? Like of all the wrestlers, you can't name. Like, I just that guy called Andre the Giant. Funny <laughs> thing, it'd be that other guy that's huge. <laughs> When my wife goes out, I like to lick her salt, the Himalayan salt lamps. They I taste know lovely. Where you're going with that. I'm so scared. <laughs> when my wife goes out, I like to lick Himalayan salt lamps. Would not have been the, the Himalayan complete salt lamps. In the, yeah, yeah, in the blank. Yeah. What happened? What happened next? 
I went and got an ice cream from an ice cream shop and the man behind the counter said oh look out for the seagulls and I just laughed because you know you just kind of don't really take it all in anyway I was walking along the beach eating my ice cream and out of bloody nowhere seagull swoops down and takes the head off of my ice cream I'm left with a tiny bit of cone in my childlike hands <laughs> That's all we can afford to reveal from the archives. If you're wanting more of this type of top quality banter in your eardrums, then you can find them by scanning your most popular platforms, such as the spiffing Spotify, the aristocratic Apple Podcast, and grandstanding Google, among many more. How exciting! So, what's the name of this podcast, you ask? Well, that's a very good question. And the answer to that question is the Totally Buzzed UK podcast. What's that? Say it again, you say? It's the Totally Buzzed UK podcast. You can catch their broadcast from the early bird time of Monday at 7am. But not to worry if you aren't such an early bird as you could always visit the archives when new episodes are added weekly for your listening pleasure. If you suffer from selective hearing, I shall repeat again where you can search for these archives. The following are Spiffing Spotify, Aristocratic Apple Podcasts and Grandstanding Google, among others. So if you enjoy a tickety-boo time, then adjust your streaming platforms and tune in.